The AMA Moving Medicine podcast highlights innovation and emerging issues that impact physicians and patients today. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's Moving Medicine video and podcast. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Jesse Raffel at the Institute for Innovations in Medical Education at the NYU Grossman School of Medicine in New York. We're talking about changes to the US MLE Step 1 exam and what medical students need to know. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Uh, Dr. Raffel, thanks for joining us today. Why don't we just start by talking about what the changes are to the Step 1 exam? Well, thanks for having me, Todd. Great to be here. Um, yeah, some big changes. Um, January 26th of 2022, individuals who take the exam on that date or afterwards, it will no longer be reporting a score. It will be scored pass-fail, um, which is a big deal. Um, and in addition, there are some more minor changes like reducing the number of attempts from six to four as a maximum number of attempts for the, any USMLE exam, um, again, going live uh, around the same time. So generations of medical students before this have relied on that test score uh, as they apply to residency programs. Um, you know, I know that pass-fail change is something that both educators and students have been advocating for. Why is that the case? Yeah, I think we've seen the USMLE exams, which are licensure exams meant to make a determination about licensure, be used for secondary uses, like screening for residency application uh, in the process, um, being used as a single measure for screening applicants. Um, and those sort of unintended uses have led to all kinds of downstream impact that is really unfortunate, led to a lot of stress around studying to get scores well above the passing threshold, which right now is 194. Um, and so uh, those unintended implications of that scored exam led uh, the NBME and USMLE to make this change. And I, I really do think it would be a net positive, although as, as we will talk about likely, um, some growing pains here in the transition period. I guess with any change, there's you know adaptation, a little bit of confusion, obviously really important for medical students to understand these changes uh, to step one right now. Can you talk about you know why that's so important? Yeah, I think right now um, it is a time of transition. And so there's going to be more talk of this, particularly in the coming year as this change is made, uh, about you know how, how do we handle individuals who may have taken it graded or scored, I should say, before that deadline and pass fill after, and how is that going to be handled? So these are active conversations happening in the education community. Students should expect to hear more about that. They should work through their member AMA medical student sections to advocate for um, transparency in this process. So um, it is a timely, it is, a, it is the time to be talking about this stuff. On the other hand, I think there, my hope is that there's a lot of positive that comes out of this, that it drives the community towards um, a, a better approach to how we use these types of scores. Um, so, so I'm excited for this change. But I totally, totally recognize, having not been too far away from my medical school years, um, the uncertainty can can bring a lot of uh, angst uh, for this transition. I like, the, you know, the way, and I, and I, for whatever reason, haven't heard anybody talk about it before in terms of unintended uses, and I guess those unintended uses have been going on for you know quite a while. So I'm, I'm interested in talking about the implications here. So let's just start kind of in general. Uh, what are the implications for a pass-fail step one for students? 
So the biggest implication and the, the intended consequence of that, the reason partly in large part that this change was made is that hopefully by this being pass fail, students will not feel the need any longer to devote huge amounts of time for studying to get very high test scores, well above that passing threshold on step one. Uh, we hope that this is a, a, leads to a reduction in the stress and anxiety around studying for this exam, which is, is somewhat different than what you practice in clinical medicine. It is an exam um, somewhat separate from clinical medicine. So I, I really do hope that that is a key consequence of reducing stress, focusing on uh, the coursework you have, whatever your medical school is offering, and really being fully engaged in your coursework, which is something we saw that, that the exam itself was taking away from. Um, I do think there will be other consequences, um, and, and that's going to be driven by how programs react to this, this change. Um, and, and being entirely frank with our audience, nobody knows exactly how programs are going to react because each residency program is a little different. Um, but I think we have some ideas around that. So, you know, I'm a person who's like on the patient end of this thing. Don't yeah. we want them to score really high on this exam? Yeah. So a great question. And, you know, the thing about the USMLE that uh, although the scores were much maligned, no one will uh, debate that passing it is a very important threshold for patient safety. Um, and so nothing about the standards and that gets reevaluated every year about what that passing threshold should be. Nothing about that has changed. Um, and so patients should know that the, the standards for becoming a doctor have not changed one bit. Um, the standards for getting licensed in the U.S. have not changed. Um, and I think it will, uh, in fact, drive folks to focus on other areas besides test taking that are really important for being a doctor, like communication that might not be tested so much on step one. Mm -hmm. What uh, you mentioned, basically, we don't know how programs are going to react to this. So let's talk a little bit about one of those un unintended uses, so to speak, uh, is about residency programs. How, how's that going to change their selection process? Yeah, we saw a phenomenon over the course of years, and it's, it's a multifactorial phenomenon, but residency programs receive many applications for the number of positions they have. And when faced with that deluge of applications, using shortcuts to screen individuals out who they think might not succeed. Um, and one of those shortcuts was using the step one score, and that drove some of that mania around getting really high scores. With that taken away, I think there, there are, this could go different ways for different programs. My hope is that programs will embrace holistic review, which is really taking a look at the whole applicant. Yes, spending some extra time to do the process um, and really consider, considering other metrics they have. Yes, step two CK will remain scored, um, which is the other part of the USMLE series. Um, but also considering their other attributes and experiences and who they are as a person and how that aligns with a given program. So that's my hope. I also really implore programs if they do start to use step two CK in a more, in more substantial way in this cycle um, to recognize that there's imprecision in the scores. So two individuals that score um, uh, less than 16 points different do not statistically differ uh, on step two CK. And so uh, we see programs making decisions with minor differences. And, and really, I think that is, that is an in, again, an unintended use of those examinations course. You took care of the nation. It's time for the nation to take care of you. The AMA stood by America's physicians and patients during the pandemic, and we're not stopping there. We're fixing prior authorization 
leading the charge on Medicare payment reform, supporting telehealth, fighting scope creep, and reducing physician burnout. It's time to rebuild, and the AMA is ready. To learn more about the AMA Recovery Plan for America's Physicians, go to ama-assn.org slash time to rebuild. You know, in my in my my whole career, how hard a time I've had uh, getting people to understand statistical significance in in scores like that. That's tough. Um, you know, when you're on the other end of this, you're a student. You don't have now the score. Let's say you, if you had a fabulous score. That's yep. obviously something that you could uh, you know showcase in your application. What is a, a student to do to distinguish their application in this process now? It's a great question, and I totally get it. And it is a competitive process. Let's not let's not pretend it is not. Um, you know, step two CK, I do think will take on newfound importance. And I I don't want folks to um, take on the same mania that it revolved around step one. But I think doing um, well on step two CK is going to be an important measure in, for most programs. Um, but when you survey residency program directors and say, you know. What was it about applicants who got a look by you and actually ranked to potentially match at your program? What was it about them that really stood out? It's not USMLE number one, two, three, four, or five. It's perceived commitment to my specialty. It's the genuine interest in our program. It's evidence of professionalism and communication skills. So I'd really implore applicants to remember that there's a lot of other things that programs are looking for. And if you can try to convey to them your genuine interest in, your, in that specialty and that program, um, your genuine ability to communicate with patients and show professionalism out when you're caring for patients, those things can far outweigh even a, a score on step two CK, which will remain scored, that maybe isn't where you wanted it to be. When we talk to medical students, uh, especially through our medical students section, uh, you know, about this issue, one of the things that's come up a number of times is just uh, the kind of leadership experience that you can get through an organization like the AMA, learning about policy making, getting involved in that, uh, being active in the profession. Is that something that programs will take a look at? Absolutely. And, you know, I can't speak for every program. Every program has a different process, so I don't want to pretend like I know each of their processes. But having done resident selection myself um, at one large program, I can say that it is important to show evidence that you are able to um, function as a leader, as a team member, as a follower at times. Um, and sometimes that happens in the clinical environment. Other times it could happen in an advocacy environment like the AMA MSS offers. Um, and so I, I just really encourage students who I talk to, to, to follow what their passion is, you know, show that sincerity of passion, your passion, um, don't fake it, you know, follow what you really want to do. And if that is advocacy, that's a fantastic way to show, hey, I'm passionate about this issue. And that issue could even be these sorts of changes that are happening in our community. Uh, Dr. Rafael, we just uh, finished uh, recognizing International Medical Graduate Recognition Week. Uh, and we talked a lot about that through uh, the process about, you know, the obstacles that INGs face. Uh, is this going to be another change that's going to have a, a, another obstacle effect for IMGs? I think it's a great question. And it's a, unfortunately another unknown. Um, you know, IMGs are a key part of our application pool and our workforce in the U.S. And so uh, there's no doubt about it that um, they're, they're key in all of this. Um, I think it is a concern. 
that that was one entry way into the profession of medicine in the US for IMGs because it was standardized. Um, I will come back to step two CK again, I think, whereas for US medical grads, step two CK may have been you know, more important to some degree at some programs, I think for IMGs being realistic will be quite important um, as a way to show standardized performance compared to peers. Well, in the uh, spirit of helping folks understand these changes and implications, um, the AMA is hosting a webinar called Navigating Changes to Step 1 for Students on October 27th, during which you and another panelist are going to dive into these changes and let students know what they need to be thinking about. Can you just highlight uh, what will be covered and why students should attend? Yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for that pitch. And, uh, you know, we're really excited to have that. We'll get have a little more time to go into some of the deeper nuances here. And most important, answer questions um, that folks can submit um, and try to get down to the nitty gritty of how folks are uh, navigating this right now and some of the uncertainty, try to address uncertainty where we can, call out the uncertainty where it still exists. And I think that'll help the community also provide feedback to, to students moving forward on, on areas where they can hopefully get more transparency for those students. So, you know, if you're a student listening, I encourage you to join that. If you're not a student and you're a faculty member, really encourage you to send that out to your, your medical student listserv as an opportunity for them to hear more about these changes. And hopefully we can dispel some myths and also present it in a, in a factual way about what, what is changing and what, what is not changing. I'm gonna echo what you just said. This is gonna be an incredibly important webinar. Uh, you can uh, register for it at ama-assn.org slash step dash one dash changes. Uh, again, that's October 27th. Do not miss it because it's gonna be really interesting. And I know everyone out there is worried as usual about anything that changes. Uh, that wraps up our episode today. Uh, Dr. Rafael, thank you so much for being here and sharing this information and for being part of this upcoming webinar. Don't miss another episode of our video or podcast. So make sure to hit, click subscribe on our YouTube channel or on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Find all of our videos and podcasts at ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thanks for joining us. This has been Moving Medicine, a podcast by the American Medical Association. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours, or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.